So we begin this 20-minute segment, which is basically all just uh, combat uh, high action for 20 minutes. Pretty much. Uh, with Luke kind of finalizing things with his medical droid and then convening out uh, where Han is about to leave for good this time. And he's ready to go out and take on the Empire, which has, of course, discovered where the Rebel base is. Yep. We find Darth Vader in his meditation chamber. Uh, he tells General Veers that uh, Ozil has failed him for the last time, and he chokes out Ozil uh, on camera, which is amazing. Yeah. And that's kind of a trend for the movie for the next little bit. Then we proceed into battle. Uh, of course, uh, Luke is rogue leader. There's a couple other guys out there, and basically they have to take on these big imperial uh, four-legged giant ATATs. ATATs. I wanted to call them imperial walkers, ATATs. Same uh, thing. But there's also other walkers with two legs, right? True. Those are ATSTs. Hence the reason why they're not at-ats, everyone. At-saints. They're ATATs. Thank God. Yes. Uh, and so it doesn't go very well. Uh, Luke's co-pilot gets killed pretty early on in battle. It's going really poorly. Uh, eventually, they figure out a way to uh, trip the at-ats, the ATATs. Yes. They uh, use their harpoons to kind of circle the legs and uh, essentially just collapse them from there. Uh, the rebels aren't doing well, but they're starting to flee uh, because the Imperials have entered the base. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Han is still hanging around and Leia's like, we gave you clearance to go. Why don't you just get the hell out of here? And he's like, no. And so uh, eventually they kind of win the battle, but the war's not over because Vader and the snowtroopers have also now infiltrated Hoth and they're coming for them. So we need to make a clean break and everybody kind of crowds onto the Falcon. Yep. So everyone left crowds under the Falcon. Uh, Luke gets off into his X-Wing and flies off to go to Dagobah because of what Obi-Wan told him in the last movie. Uh, Han is evading asteroids and TIE fighters in space as they escape from the Hoth system. Because and their cloaking isn't working. Because their cloaking isn't working. That's right. Well, no, it's not specifically their, uh, their cloaking, but uh, their... Hyperspeed. Hyperspeed. I, yeah, figured, yeah. I figured what specifically was broken, but 3PO was telling him. Yes. Um, and so as a result, they can't get away, so they just have to hide within a really large asteroid. And they're just about to make the uh, drop down onto Dagobah, that is Luke and R2. All he can really sense is that there's some form of life existing on the planet below. Yeah. So that was probably the hardest 20 to sum up because... It was just a battle scene that, in theory, we could have summed up in, like, six seconds. Well, we summed it up in, like, three minutes instead of two minutes, so we, like, drew it out and made it more complicated than it had to be. Yeah, it was that. a big battle, and it didn't go very well for anybody. Exactly. Nobody got what they wanted. The rebels had to leave Hoth, and uh, the Imperials didn't really catch anyone. No, exactly. Now, why exactly did Vader have to come down onto the soil Because he's Hoth? obsessed. With Luke? He's obsessed with Luke, yeah. Okay. He's obsessed with finding Luke Skywalker. And so I think it's purely just a matter of, well, he blew up the Death Star and he evaded Vader and everyone else. So if anyone's going to be able to take down this Wonder Boy, it's got to be him. Did a starfighter actually land on Hoth? Because how else are these ATATs on the planet? Uh, I don't know the specifics on how that would work, but likely some form of, probably not like a full-fledged Star Destroyer, but likely some form of smaller vessel. So, or some kind of just big gear freighter, yep. I guess. Yep, I would imagine. Uh, General Veers, whatever he took down to uh, down to Hoth, because he was the one who started the infiltration right. uh, in the AT-ATs. What exactly did General Veers do wrong? Why exactly did he get choked out? No, that was Ozil. So yeah. Veers, hasn't gotten, Veers didn't get choked out. He didn't do anything wrong, but Ozil specifically, um, he brought them too close to Hoth. Yeah. And so as a result, 
they noticed the rebels noticed and put up their shields and therefore they couldn't actually just blow up the base with the star destroyer or else they would have never even had to go down to uh, the base he blew their cover yeah exactly although really did darth vader want to blow up hoth while luke skywalker's down there um and leia for that matter which he may or may not know about well he doesn't know yet because he has a conversation with the emperor later in the movie right to realize that anakin skywalker's children are still alive or has a child that's still alive. I don't think Vader ever But he's obsessed with Luke Skywalker. Yeah, exactly. But he's obsessed with him because of his Force powers, not necessarily because he's his son yet. Yeah. He makes the connection, I think, after. So when he hears from Palpatine, uh, or hears from the Emperor, per se, uh, that Anakin Skywalker's kid's alive, uh, this did not happen in the 20, but uh, when he hears that, he's able to put things together. Now, as you said, uh, we saw him do something we've never seen with the Force before up to this point, which is Force Choke. Now, we've seen, he's, we've seen him use Force Choke before, but never... From remo- such a distance. Remotely. I know. That was what's super cool. So the mystery is, can he just Force Choke anyone in the galaxy whenever he wants, or does he have to have some kind of uh, connection to that person in the moment, even if it's some kind of artificial digital connection? I would assume so. I would assume, like, in the sense that the Force, it's the force that surrounds us, it binds us together. So you have to have some form of connection to be able to almost like leverage the force. That's kind of the way I see it anyway. Right. Um, but we also looked at the way kind of Snoke linked the minds of Kylo and Rey. So that was done kind of remotely. So who knows? It's, it's impressive with the way the force can be used. And uh, Darksiders know how to use it the most. And he definitely choked him to death. He didn't just like choke him out and fire him. Oh, no. He choked him to death. Vader doesn't half-ass anything. <laughs> Yes, and uh, we we know he's he's brutal. There's no mystery there. Yeah. But, like some sanitation person has to like clean up the body of his boss. Yeah, he's just hanging out on deck while everyone else is like, oh, don't make the don't make Vader angry again. Yeah, I mean, uh, what's it, Matt the? Uh, who? What did uh, Adam Driver play on SNL? Matt the? Uh, yeah, Matt the sanitation guy or something, something. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he'd probably have to come clean it up or something. I have it. I have a hard time. I, I mean, I know everybody within the Empire, especially people who work on the Death Star, are like brainwashed essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have a hard time believing that their leader could just be murdering their friends and colleagues and superiors willy nilly, and there wouldn't be some kind of revolt. They're terrified of him. I know, but if they all, if the hundreds of thousands of Imperial soldiers who worked aboard that ship stood up to Vader, he would lose. Yeah, but in theory, you could always say that. I mean, they could also, in theory, do that to the Emperor, but the Emperor could take down probably a couple hundred, and Vader could easily take down a couple hundred. Right, and I guess also we're living through this very strange thing in actual history where people just blindly follow the person who's in charge. Constantly. So, I mean... Fear plays a huge role. Order plays a role. I mean, just not questioning your superiors is, it's just the way of the empire. It's the way of a lot of different governments and militaries. While we're on the subject, let let me give you my Padawan question. Cool. I'll give you mine too. What is the name of the new admiral, captain turned admiral, after Vader chokes out the other guy to death? Piet. Piet. He has a French name. He does. Very nice. Yes. What happens to Piet? Like after, after this, does he have a future in the saga? Does he, like, go on to be a pretty successful leader, or is he just another guy who gets ranked aside? I'm 95% sure he gets choked out in the next 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure Piet is the, the next casualty The paperwork wasn't even done. No. Jeez. No, not at all. Piet. You want to give me one? All right. I will give you one. Uh, this is one that, well, yeah. 
you know I'm not great when it comes to uh, uh, to making the questions. Why can't you just make an easy one? You well, made, I, you picked all three difficult questions. Well, I did. No, I did have an easy one, and then I accidentally, when giving the summary, gave you the answer. Oh, okay. So I can't. But I was, that doesn't mean I won't. No, no, no. I, I literally just said it. The question was initially going to be, um, "Who's the first officer killed by Vader in the movie?" Uh, Ozil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Fair enough. So actually, I will stick with that as mine, just okay. purely on the basis of. Um, I will. Oh, pity? No. Okay. Screw it then. I'll I'll, I'll give you one. Um, I'll bump down my knight to a padawan and give you a couple of master questions. Okay. Um, so, which planet in the Hoth system were the rebels uh, hiding? That was my my question for the knight question. Oh, was it really? Yeah, the sixth. It was the sixth. So this is really an interesting point because we always think of uh, Hoth as a planet, the planet Hoth or the planet Dagobah. In many cases, it's just a system. Yep. Like the Hosnian system or the Dagobah system. And it's like there's a whole series. Right. But these things aren't really explained in Star Wars no. as far as I know. They just use the words planet and system interchangeably. I've never heard like a full explanation in a Star Wars piece of content. I'm sure it's out there. I'm definitely sure it's out there. Well, that and like how does a, a system differ from a galaxy? Like it's a, it's a cluster of planets, I guess. I would assume it's a cluster of very small planets. Yes. So like almost like dwarf planets, ones that wouldn't necessarily register on their own accord or ones that aren't necessarily heavily populated, although that doesn't really work with like the Hosnian system. So how many different planets are in the Hoth system? There's at least six. There's at least six. And are they all remote? Uh, I don't know. It's a good question. I want to I see some civilization in Hoth. Yeah, I don't think that's the case, though. Hoth isn't exactly the, a fun place to be on. No, it's <laughs> not really. Saw. No, I mean, there's nothing to do. It's just wasteland it's cool as hell and it's really interesting is what it brings to the star wars universe and that's why we all love it so much because it's so different but yeah it's there's not really a whole lot going on but you could also say the same thing about like octu which just seems to be water except for this one little island yeah and there's caretakers and porgs on that that's right I, I don't know if i'd call it civilization no but there's some form of life yep so i mean even though there's probably not tons of life on hoth we know that there's tauntauns i don't know if they're kind of an indigenous species to Hoth, but the Wampa is at least, so. Uh, let's rattle through a couple of quotes. Yeah. You mentioned before we started recording, it's not exactly the most quotable 20 minutes of Star Wars Super ever. isn't. Well, really. there's not even a whole lot of dialogue. No. But there are a couple of lines that fly under the radar. I mean, we have one that is probably going to be the title of this episode, which is, never tell me the odds. That <laughs> one's used too much. Never tell me the odds. Excuse me. What is happening to me? Ugh. It's used too much. It's used a lot. I got to imagine how many times Han says, never tell me the odds. Never tell me the odds, Star Wars. It was definitely the most memeable line in this 20. Maybe it's just because it's so damn synonymous with that character that I assume he says it as frequently as I have a bad feeling about this almost. But, yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know. Maybe. I can't seem to find it with quick results, but uh, if someone can tell us how many times never tell me the odds is used... <laughs> Yeah, tweet us at uh, at recorder sixty six uh, yeah. on Twitter. There are a couple of little lines that just kind of get squeezed in there that I don't think anybody really pays much attention to, but some of them are golden. Like some toward, of them really are. Towards the end, we're having a little trouble with the Falcon, and Leia says, "Do you want me to get out and push? Would it help if I got out and pushed?" Yeah, that was a, an excellent one. They it's an, it's the... an amazing line, and it's also a super meta line. Because, like, that is an earthling expression. Mm -hmm. You're talking about cars when you say that. And, like, presumably they do have vehicles 
in the galaxy far away that have wheels. So mm-hmm. maybe they you do have to get out and push sometimes. But it's just so anachronistic of Star Wars vehicles mm. that it's all the more funny to hear her say it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting because I know in one of the trailers for Solo, uh, he calls himself a driver and a flyer specifically yeah. interesting and so i thought that was really interesting first of all flyer is a weird word not pilot right but driver i mean it's just something i you don't really think of when you hear star wars it's always pilot and flying maybe he's going to be on some like big tank like in fury road very possible yeah um just based on a lot of the stuff but we'll get into the there's tons of solo stuff to talk about when you, when you when you have that break and yeah. pre-record the first episode for empire because you go on vacation it can throw some things into the wrench because the world of star wars is constantly new news which is awesome and that movie's coming out in two weeks it's coming out pretty darn soon getting excited very very exciting but uh, uh, some other great quotes yep. uh, he's as clumsy as he is stupid who general says that? prepare your troops for a surface attack vader vader says it yeah he's yeah. as clumsy as he is stupid that is a golden line it's right before he kills ozzel it's really really bitter there was a really funny uh i think it was an imperial troop who uttered it i don't know if these characters even have names but like one of the first quotes i actually wrote down as quotable uh, is, uh, where is it? Ah, enemy ships are entering our field. Good, our first catch of the day. Oh, nice. I didn't even catch that one. It's, it's just like, it's just kind of cheeky and has some personality to yeah. it. And it's like a slang term. It's it's a better line than you tend to give to an extra. It's definitely a better line than you give an extra in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have failed me for the last time, Admiral. Insanely menacing. It's very uh, Vader. It's line. very Vader. Like uh, General Vader's, prepare your men. I just right. Love the menacing lines. Um, there's a couple ones that aren't necessarily great lines, but the context of them is so funny. Yeah. Um, so no, no, no. Uh, this one goes there. That one goes there. Right. So it's when Han's talking to Chewie and Chewie's trying to repair the Falcon and Han just like walks over to him like he's a total idiot and he's just making like really dumb mistakes. Totally. And the walk. I was blown freaking away because in pre- in preparation for obviously this this podcast, uh, I watched as as much of uh, recent solo trailers as I could just have them fresh in my mind. Right, and it was also right after I'd watched this twenty, and so the walk of Han Solo, Alden Enrich has has it down got the walk that's now that's impressive and i was really happy to see that and like it's something that it's it's not han's standard walk but it's like this sort of like weird like tippy toeing sort of walk really it's 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 a weird walk he looks really funny but then there's another but in one of the trailers alden has a very similar walk and so it's awesome i i was really impressed i've heard of actors doing exactly that before i know ashton kutcher did it when he played steve jobs like it was the most important thing he could do to get in the mind of that character or to really feel like that character was to learn how they walk even more so than how they talk or how they look in their face walking like that person and i guess to be fair it does really evoke the physical sense of a person mm-hmm. to walk Steve like jobs that. also has a very specific sort of like people have seen him on stage like showcasing products so they know the way he presents himself as a person yes and so that would give Ashton Kutcher a lot of material to go off well and posture in general uh, says a lot about what a person looks like Uh, whenever I think of posture I always think of Robert Downey Jr. who has a very specific way of standing like yes he does like people won't be able to see me right now but he has like a very like he pushes out his front and Mm -hmm. kind of like he kind of he kind of stands on his tiptoes a little bit and his butt gets really flat and he puts his arms behind his back I can just picture him doing that it's just a, based on that description. That's it's really good. Yeah, it's interesting. very specific Robert Downey Jr. posture. And so if you were to play him in a movie, you would have to learn to do that. 
and people would notice even if they're not sure why. That's interesting. And that's a good point. And specifically, there was one cool thing um, uh, just on Solo again is Ron Howard, as soon as he got the job, he called Harrison Ford. Oh, cool. I didn't know that, but uh, that's that's awesome. He called him and asked him for pointers. And apparently he was giving some really interesting advice about like the psyche of Han Solo and not just about like even like the subtle things like walk talk, but um, just like the mindset that a character like that would have so that it's he could impart some wisdom on Alden. Weird to me that Harrison Ford could get actory about a character like Han Solo. Like I, I, he's a good actor, but I kind of think of him more as just your typical like just show up and say the lines kind of guy. I definitely agree, but when it comes to Ron Howard, everybody like it's a different scenario. He is so heavily respected; it is insane. Yeah, like you can't talk about Solo without Ron Howard love coming up from somebody in the cast or somebody on set because it's just. He's such a pro, and I love that they've done that with Star Wars. They need to do that. Having guys like Jon Favreau, that's the way it should be. And if Solo's a hit, I absolutely 100% want Rod Howard back. I mean, if you can have a pro like that who's able to get into the Star Wars world and make it work, you don't let that go. It makes him money. I'm sure it's been fun for him. And... Like, let's face it, if if you can give us that sort of adventure vibe Star Wars that everybody likes and a movie that everyone was prepared to hate but has already kind of turned yeah. the perspective on and everyone's really hoping to like it now. I hope so. Like, that's that, does a, that says a lot about someone's ability. He also finds himself in a really unique position as a Star Wars director in mm. that he's kind of safe because if the movie turns out good, he gets all the credit. Yep. And if it doesn't, Everybody understands and they don't blame him. No one will give him any of the blame. No. no. That's, a, that's a really good point. He actually has a really safe spot going for him in that like, regard. It could turn out bad and he could still direct a Star Wars movie and people wouldn't be like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, People would true. probably still be cool with it. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, any other quotes? Uh, there's tons of quotes, actually. Well, um, we had a really good Han Solo throwaway line when he was talking about uh, a blabbering C-3PO. He says, shut him up or shut him down. Yeah. Which is an amazing droid line. It really is. Uh, sorry, just one more on the Han Solo. Not necessarily a great line, but context around it is just an ow, Chewie. He screams when Chewie doesn't move the toolbox and it falls on his head as he's fixing the Falcon. Yeah. That looked like it hurt. You know what? That image was really evocative of The Force, Force Awakens. Yeah, absolutely. Like when he's bouncing up and down from the floorboards of the Falcon, mm-hmm. and only because I've seen The Force Awakens more than I've seen The Empire Strikes Back in the last couple of years, mm. it, it looked like Rey bouncing up and down, and there's no way J.J. didn't do that on purpose. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, if you get a Star Wars movie to direct and write, you watch... Like Empire 12 times in a row as you're writing a scene just purely about the Falcon. So, or at least we certainly would hope so. It's a, to use musical terms, that shot rhymes with the other shot. Hmm. And another one uh, that I noticed was Vader marching into Hoth with the troops behind him. I love that. It was, it was beautiful and it was badass and it was so Vader, but it, it looks like Kylo Ren marching Mm -hmm. into Jakku, like showing up. For the invasion, yeah. which in many cases the Sith Lord doesn't do. He works alone. Mm-hmm. No, he was there, a military man, and he was going to fuck some stuff up. Yep. No, it was really awesome. I uh, I wrote that down as one of kind of like the key moments that when I think of Empire Strikes Back and when I think of Hoth, I think of this sort of moment, like one of those kind of moments that really kind of brings you back to what you first remember about these movies. Yeah. And that specific moment of just Vader marching through with his military. That's just as badass as it comes. Yeah, it's like a calendar picture. It's yeah. a desktop. It's so, so cool. That and Imperial troops have entered the base. 
mm. when that was yelling out in the sirens in the back. That was awesome because once again, referencing back to the shitty demo Star Wars games that we would play um, from like almost cereal boxes, the games yeah. probably came from. Yeah. Um, but that specifically was the first line in the entire game because it was just ringing over the PA system right in the first level totally. and it just brought me back there immediately. So I love that. The thing that awoke my childhood in this 20 were just in general, the snow troopers. Is that what they're called? The snow, uh, snow uh, you'll find out when my next trivia question comes. Oh no. <laughs> okay. Well ask me <laughs> what are the snow troopers called according to the, well, the empire, uh, the Imperial, uh, uh, snow Brigade. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Sounds like a dance troupe. Uh, no, the Cold Assault Stormtroopers. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Cold Assault. I just love how flat their masks are. It is so KKK. Yeah, it kind of is. It's, Don't ruin it for me. Not, well, it's like, well, they're all space Nazis. <laughs> I know, but they're soldiers. Yeah. It's different than just like being... I mean, the KKK and Nazis are different. Not that that's I'm, true. Not that I'm excusing you. Although, one. similar sort of mentalities. Yes. All equally terrible. Right, right, right. But, like, KKK meets in the woods and burns stuff. Yeah, fair. Whereas, like, these stormtroopers are, like, working for somebody and they're going in to do a job. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's good for the Nazis to no, do. No, no, no. I know. I know <laughs> what you're saying. <laughs> but they're, they're military people and they're, they're, their gear is cool to look at, is all I'm saying. Yeah. They blend in. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And we're not hitting it very well when it comes to uh, the, the trivia. We've had one repeat. We had one that I flubbed up by giving you the answer to. It's okay. It's bound to happen. But uh, let me give you my Padawan question. Okay. What is the oh, weird? You, yeah. yeah, you did the Piet, yeah. and you also, we both burned our own night question. That's okay. We had the same night question. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay, well, then let me give you my master question. Go for as it. As long as we're there. What are the odds of successfully navigating an asteroid field? 3,720 to 1. Yes, it is. You had that written down? No, no, I just know. I just know that one. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's one of your most quotable quotes there too. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they never tell me the odds ones. I mean, three PO's got a lineup of those. Right, three thousand seven hundred and twenty to one, and they pull it off. Yeah, I'll have another. One. I have another trivia question for you. It's not one that I had down, but just another one that'll throw your way. Do you want to do that now? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. Uh, what is the actual model name of the Snowspeeder? What snowspeeder? What do you think they're flying around all oh, over? Okay, those things. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not going to guess it. Yeah, no. Well, twist. It's they're not actually called snowspeeders. They're airspeeders. They're it's, it's a T. Well, that's what threw me off. T forty seven airspeeder is the term. okay. I never really liked those ships. They're weird. Yeah, they always reminded me of like I don't know. Is that the ship that is the terrible Disney ride? I think so. I think it might be. Yeah, because that's always what I think of. I haven't. Obviously, we've mentioned that a couple times now and haven't done it in like 18 years. But Now, Dak dies, Luke's co-pilot. Immediately. Right away. <laughs> and Luke's just in there with a dead body. Dak's an idiot, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the one, the one of the things I had as a take back for this was Dak's line, right now, I feel like I could take on the whole empire uh, myself. Yeah. And then he dies. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I know. no, you can't, Dak. Now, did Wedge die? So the only people who survived that um, of the Rogue Squadron... Rogue 3 died. Uh, so I think, no, I don't think so. I think Rogue 3 was Wedge and... Um, Rogue 2 Wedge died. and Jansen. And Rogue 2 died, which was, I okay. think, Zev. All right. Uh, let me see. I did write that down somewhere. 
Um, but my point is, with the number of deaths that yeah. happen on their like front line of pilots, mm-hmm. including whoever was sitting in there with Luke Skywalker, that's a huge loss to the Rebels. Like, surely they put some of their best guys out on the front. Yeah, absolutely. But like, uh, yeah, I just checked, and so Zev's gone, and uh, I think Hobby died, and so a few people, even from like the last movie, for example. So the Rebels. Have nothing going for them no, at this point. They take a beating. Holy t- moly! Like the Rebel Alliance is tiny at this point. Yeah, and have Luke not even meet at the rendezvous point, and have Leia and Han being captured later in the movie. I mean, imagine if they didn't get out alive. The Rebel Alliance is done. Yeah. Well, it's no wonder Lando they all... saves the entire Rebel Alliance. It's no wonder they all deify <laughs> Luke Skywalker. He's the only person who can get anything done whatsoever. That's definitely true. Now, <laughs> well, Han gets shit done. He does for sure, but he can't be trusted. No. This is very cool, however ridiculous it was, when Luke gets out of his speeder and then, like, kind of climbs his way up into the underbelly mm-hmm. of the ATAT and then slashes a hole open in the underbelly to throw a grenade up there. Mm-hmm. That all is very, very cool. <laughs> it's extremely cool. Although I'm not quite sure how he slashes that hole because it's a perfect Mandor. Thank you. I was so, going to say that too. He slashes it once and it's a perfect rectangle. The only thing I can think of, because I had to watch it a couple times and I couldn't really see, is maybe he slashed a control panel. Oh, maybe. That's possible. Still. Yeah, something that was just already there, like a plate that was waiting to be removed. No, I mean like like a control panel and it just, the door opened. It yeah. was like a little man door that opened. And so he didn't actually slash open a hole, maybe. Are those things manned? AT-ATs? Yeah. Yep. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay. They're not just like remotely piloted? Nope. So when you, when you bring them down, you're also getting some kills. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. How many were there? Like three? Uh, I don't remember. Isn't like, That would have been a master trivia question. Yeah. Enough that it's like actually causing some problems obviously. yeah and there's a couple atsts and we all saw how terrible most of the rebel pilots were so they walk fairly choppily not unlike the tauntauns we discussed last week yeah but i actually thought it kind of worked because they're robots as opposed to being like sure. an organic creature sure. and i don't know i just it for me it kind of just felt like oh that's just how they walk and like the atsts they're very choppy but they're also only only have two legs yeah they're so weird. i don't know how they keep their balance anyway well, they kind of have knees. They have, like, inverted knees. Yeah, that's how they, they keep from being too top-heavy. Yeah. I actually like those a lot. I think those are really cool. Oh, I love the... I have an ATAT shirt, and it's, like, all, like, identifies every single, like, part on the ATAT or Imperial Walker also. No, I meant I like the ATSTs. The ATSTs? Yeah. I think of Endor when I think of the ATSTs. Yeah, you think of Chewie popping out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I know. I just I just think they're they're really, really cool. Definitely. Um, let's see. There's a couple other. Uh, this bucket of bolts is never going to get us out of that. Get us past that blockade. It's one line. It's a good one. Um, this is one that I had never heard before. I had to whip up the script for Empire Strikes Back to specifically make sure I got this one right. Yep. Is hurry up, Goldenrod, or you're going to be a permanent resident. Who said that? Han says it to 3PO as he's falling behind when they're boarding the Falcon to leave. You're going to be a permanent resident is amazing. Hurry up, Goldenrod. Hurry up, Goldenrod sounds like a porn name. <laughs> Goldenrod? That's too cool for 3PO. It is too cool. 3PO had one of but my permanent favorite. resident was good. He had one of my favorite lines in the, in the 20. In fact, he says it to R2. He says, R2, you take good care of Master Luke now, you understand? And do take good care of yourself. 
It's a very sweet line. Yeah, he does have some sweet lines to R2. He occasionally shows uh, affection for R2. R2 does never, just never shows it back. As far as we can tell. As far as we can tell. We can't read R2. But for the most part, 3PO is always giving R2 shit because he's a dick. Yeah, he's kind of a pain in the butt for sure. That's uh, all I have for quotes. Uh, uh, punch it, Colin. Punch it. Oh, we had a punch it in there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I did check. I think punch it only happens, I think we're going to get our third punch it, obviously, in Solo. But uh, I think punch it's only said, I looked it up and I can only see one from Lando and one from Han. The medical droid who Luke is talking to in his opening scene looks an awful lot like, is it TK from, from Rogue One? K2. K2, yeah. He, he looks a lot like, like he's kind of got the same mechanics. A similar sort of build, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it must have just been sort of like an era that was kind of the style that they were going for. Three yeah. PO's an older like protocol droid. Well, K two looks like something from the older Star Wars movies. They yeah. really designed him well. Well, K two is an Imperial droid. Yeah, that's true. So, but this is like a like a health droid. So who knows? Those are probably standard. I'm sure the Rebellion and the Empire used the same sort of doctor droids. <laughs> now, I, I had a, an artistic observation towards the end of the 20 where Luke is hovering above R2 and he's t- above Dagobah and he's, he's talking to R2 and he says there's definitely something alive down there and that is followed uh, by Han and, and everybody in the, the Falcon taking the deep cave dive into that big hole. And it makes you wonder if that is a parallel that only Lawrence Kasdan is clever enough to come up with. Because as we know, there is something alive down that deep cave hole. That's really interesting. I never would have picked up on that one. Yeah. Uh, do you know about Dagobah and being like a force nexus? And how no. that works? No. And so that's kind of what I interpret this specifically as because I know Dagobah to be a force nexus. But a force nexus is essentially a place within the galaxy or a thing that the force is just stronger around. Okay. Uh, and so Dagobah in specifically is, is a dark side nexus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like the dark the cave that yes. Luke goes into. Uh, like Korriban is a dark side nexus. It's a planet with uh, a lot of Sith history and lore. Octu, um, it's a light side nexus. Okay. So it's a place where the force is stronger. And it just has like a like a greater presence. And the reason why Luke was specifically there because it was the the Jedi Temple and such. And so, um, yeah, that's Dagobah is giving off Force energy uh, in spades, and that's what Luke's picking up. Is that right? That's so very interesting. Yeah, it's cool. What does it say about Luke? That... Uh, there's another word for Force Nexus. I'll look it up. What does it say about Luke that he virgins doesn't virgins? Yeah, Force virgins is the other term for it. He doesn't want to uh, put on the autopilot or have R2 drive. He says, no, I'm just going to keep it in manual for a while. What does that say about Luke, who just got through like a pretty harrowing battle, mm. should probably want to take it easy. He doesn't really know what he's getting into on Dagobah either. Mm. But no, he wants to stay focused. He wants to fly. So I, w- I was just not really sure if it was like, if it was Anakin's stubbornness about constantly being in control and constantly having to prove yourself and being focused as a as a warrior more so than a Jedi that is kind of exhibiting now in Luke's insistence on on continuing to pilot or if it's just like a joy of being out there and being free I kind of think it's more of that yeah Uh, but partially in Luke's following his instincts Um, like maybe he doesn't even I don't even really know why he would know where Dagobah was but um, but I think it's more as he was able to blow up the Death Star without using the machine. Yeah. And so I think he's just trying to feel out his senses and see how well he can t- tap into the Force to rely on that as opposed to, like, 
he's relying on like an autopilot. It's interesting how Luke goes back and forth between being open-minded and closed-minded about the force, isn't it? Like in some cases he seems to be like really uh, turned off from it, like really stubborn and really like struggling to understand how something can be. And other times he really seems to get it mm -hmm. even early on. Yep. Yeah, no, I mean, well, we're also going to see a ton of that. The next 20 is going to be loaded with great quotes and just some of the best Star Wars in history. Yes. Um, so great Star is, Wars exposition. Well, this entire movie is just loaded with the best Star Wars in history. <laughs> this is absolutely true. Yeah. Any uh, other observations you made about this clip? Because it's really just a whole lot of battle. And like you said, we're kind of heading into some interesting, uh, yeah. quieter scenes. So I'll, I'll rhyme off a, a few things. Um couple of quotes. Uh, they'd be crazy to follow us, wouldn't they, says Han? Yeah. Um, you don't have to do this to impress me, says Leia. Think, and, like, in a very, like, honest way. Yeah. Like, not even trying to goat him or try and get him, like, get him going. It's purely just, like, please don't kill us here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. It's funny how, how thick they lay on the sexual tension between these two immediately, immediately in this movie to really kind of get you away from the Luke and Leia thing. Mm -hmm. Well... Han throws himself on Leia at one point as well when the roof caves in. Yeah. And, like, he, he does it in a way that's, like, very protecting, but immediately gets up. Mm. And then just, like, kind of, like, shakes things off as if, like, nothing happened. And just, like, he's looking the other direction. And how much older than her is he? Uh, nine, uh, nine years, I think. Is that it? Yeah. It's not so bad, I guess, except that she's pretty young when they met. Yeah. He's, I think, he in New Hope, he's either 28 or 29. Oh, okay. That's all right. I mean, I mean, she's a teenager, but like, she's a little older now, I guess. And maybe yeah. rules are different. Half your age plus seven doesn't apply in, <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not here to talk about political correctness in that another galaxy. Uh, only a couple take backs here. I thought the production value was incredible. Yep. Uh, which is always nice. Uh, the aim of the ATATs is insanely bad, yeah. and also they even show an angle of them firing the guns and they're not even aiming at the troops right they're aiming like 50 yards in front of them and they're just shooting at snow so no kidding you're losing well, like you said they have stormtroopers manning them what do you expect well yeah yeah good point. i thought the uh the loose voltage in luke's ship when he starts to go down is really corny you can like see the electricity like yeah that was waving lame. over all of the interior of his starship it's just it looks really silly and yeah that is a good point i didn't have that one down but that's definitely one to take back yeah uh, and one other the final take back was the spinning of one of the speeders as the ATAT -AT shoots it out of the sky. It spins away like Darth Vader's ship does at the yeah. end of A New Hope. Yeah. And just this like ridiculous like. It's clearly an effect the filmmakers are proud of and they wanted to get the most out of it. Yeah, they shouldn't have been proud of it. But it's physiologically not very likely. Yeah. Uh, there is a really nice moment between Luke and Han. Yeah. When Luke's about to leave before they get attacked by uh, the by the Empire. And they just kind of like share like a little bit of a, of a glance and then Luke walks away and he looks back and they don't say anything to each other, but it's just, you can tell that they're both worried about yes. each other and they, they want to make sure, and it really cements their friendship even more like it was in that first 20 minutes. Right. Because we also don't see these two again until the friggin' sand barge. Well, and it's best to contrast it with the last time we saw these two guys in a hangar together right before a battle, which was towards the yeah. end of A New Hope, and it was very frosty between those two. Good point. Uh, and so now they've got this history, and they've got this loyalty to one another, uh, and to a, a greater good, a greater organization, and like you said, a respect. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
But yeah, that's it for me. I mean, I would say let's move on to some news of Star Wars. Well, tell me what you got, because I know there's like all these little clips being peppered on the internet. There is a ton. Now, what have we specifically learned about Solo the movie in the last couple of weeks, just publicly? Like all these little clips have come out. We we watched a really fun little clip this afternoon where they make a direct uh, reference to the fact that Lando mispronounces Han. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, just as kind of a way. It's just kind of like a power move. Yep, that's cool. Can I ask you a question, Captain Calrissian? Anything, Han. That's Han, but that's okay. But uh, that was interesting in the way he's like, he just specifically says it's 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 Han, but it doesn't really matter. He corrects him, yeah. Well, that was cool because the, the correction part and the fact that Lando heard that immediately and then never changed it. Right. Still called him Han forever. Yep. Uh, so that was kind of a cool little uh, exchange. But the chemistry those two have is exceptional. I think it's so, too. It's so good. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I've loved everything that I've seen. Uh, still, the only thing that ever took me out of it uh, was that very first one we ever got. I've got a good feeling about this. But everything else has been so good that I don't even remember that thing when I think of this. I don't know this. why that bothers you It so doesn't much. really bother me as much now. But seeing as it, there were only a couple lines in that first trailer, it really stuck out to me at right. the time. But seeing if looking at all the things we've seen now, it wouldn't have stood out to me if we had seen this all at once. Okay. Uh, so everything I've seen, for the most part, I've just been really excited by. There's been a lot, though, uh, a lot of different things that we've learned. Uh, so from some of the new clips, uh, we saw Beckett beating Chewie at a game of hollow chess. Yeah. And Chewie getting really pissed off about it and trying to knock all the pieces over, but couldn't because they're holograms. Again, I don't think it's in Chewie's character to be a sore loser. I find that so frustrating. When He's been a sore loser his into- like forever. No, I don't see that. Let the Wookiee win. I know, but I don't see that in his personality. It doesn't fit anywhere else. I no. agree. But then it also, they say like, that Chewie has this temper side to him that we don't really get to see a whole lot either. Not much. But we have seen it once or twice, and we would have seen it in The Force Awakens in like a major capacity in one of the deleted scenes when he tears off Uncar Plutt's arms. Right. Uh, but, uh, which I think they probably should have kept in so that we could have seen some of that rage side of things. But that's just kind of what I related to. Like he's a bad, he's just got a really bad temper, yeah. but he can keep it bottled up most of the time okay um some other cool things that we saw uh was a really great clip of beckett and val uh and they're on mimban and they're in imperial um like military uniforms this is woody harrelson and tandy newton yes yeah and so they're like conspiring and han comes up behind them and starts chatting with them and they clearly don't want to have anything to do with them basically tell them that and he calls them and sa- uh, basically calls them on their shit and says, well, you have laser burns all over you and you're totally fine. So either you heal really fast or you took that off a dead guy. Right. You have a talent for sticking your nose in where it doesn't belong. I just couldn't help but notice you're wearing a uniform pocket full of laser burns. So either you healed real quick or you stole it off a dead man. You're not Imperial Army. You're thieves here to steal equipment for a job and I want in. Well, now we got to shoot him. No. Snap his neck. And they see that as like, oh, fuck. But Han just sees this as, I. this is me basically showing you that I'm not an idiot, but I want in. I, he's really trying to prove himself. Yeah. And everything, when you see all these clips combined, all you get is he just wants to prove himself. Yep. It's just a prove it movie for him. He talks about how good of a pilot he is. Lando laughs. Like he says he's going to be the best pilot in the galaxy. So all these things, and clearly because the climax is 
absolutely going to be the Kessel Run. Yeah. It's absolutely going to be the later part of the movie. I'm very confident on this. I mean, it could be wrong, but based on what the way everything's seen, it very much seems like the Kessel Run is going to be the last sort of hurrah of the movie. Right. Um, and so clearly that's going to be the thing that makes his name and the thing that really cements him as the pilot he wants to be. Right. And the character that he's trying to be the entire movie. It's really good writing that they would identify that as his main motivator mm. as a younger man because we know him best as a slightly more mature man mm -hmm. who still exhibits uh, evolved uh, demonstrations of that same emotion. Yep. You mean you've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Yep. This like pride and this kind of ego bruise of the fact that they don't really know or care who he is, except he's able to keep it cooler when mm -hmm. he's a little bit older. Whereas when he's a boy, for the lack of a better word, he's like, I want to show you what I can do. I want to be the best I can be. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. It they they match really well as the same guy. And it also works because then you have like old Harrison Ford in The Force Awakens correcting Ray to make sure that no, it's 12 parsecs. Like, right. It still matters to him as an old man. It still matters to him because it's, yeah. it's such a big thing that really made his name. Right. And at this point, his name is what gets him in trouble. Mm -hmm. But at the younger age, that's all he cared about was making a name. So that's kind of what I'm getting. And uh, it gets me really excited. Uh, some of the exchanges between Lando and Han, quit while you're ahead. And then Han replies, but quit while you're behind. Yeah. It, it's just great. And the fact that they like the banter from one another, like you can see that it's clearly like right out of the gates, they're going to have the rivalry friendship from the beginning. What is this card game they're playing? They're playing Sabacc. Uh, so is that a, like a dirty game? Is no. that like a shyster game? Sabacc is like a poker of the galaxy far, far away. So it is. It's a seedy... Hey, I mean, you could say it's seedy, but it all depends on... They're playing it in a seedy way because they're playing it in like a back room. Okay. But it could be a game that could be played with class or it could be a game that could be just done between friends that isn't in a shady way. Are they playing it way. in that casino in The Last Jedi? Uh, that's a really good question. Probably somewhere. There's also different versions. So they're playing Corellian Spike, which is a version of Sabacc. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, if you make sure... If you pronounce... Sabak incorrectly around Lando and call it Sabak, he'll correct you. He sure will. So this is uh, Sabak? Sabak. Sabak. Got it. Uh, that's another great thing. Just little <laughs> things like that. The fact that he will correct Han on saying Sabak correctly, but he won't call him Han. Right. So. Right. Oh, yeah, he's such a little just shit. Like, he's a, totally a shit, just yeah. trying to, like, be the big, like, make himself seem like the big person, like right. the big guy, big shot on campus. Right. Um, there was a featurette that shows uh, like a huge like water snake slug thing uh, that Han has to go up against, or it looks like Han's gonna have to face down. Or yeah, and like it, the Triwizard Tournament. It, that's a, that's almost what it looked yeah. like. It was really strange. Uh, I actually was expecting a creature like that in the Last Jedi. Uh, they really made those kind of implications that it was gonna be like a water monster of mm. sorts, um, and I thought Ray was gonna have to battle something like that. Um, in the last Jedi, but we didn't really get to see that. So it'd be cool if maybe we saw sort of that angle in this movie, but um, it's only like a half a second shot that we've seen and that's it. So who knows really what the context of that is at all. I'm glad that they started to roll out more press for this thing. And I, I, I like you said, I think it's great that people are having a better attitude about it, but we're two weeks out. They can cool it. No more. I don't need to see anymore. I know. And it opens at, is it can? Yeah. Tomorrow? No, the 15th. Oh, okay. Not for a little while. So, But it's still 10 full days before it comes out for the yeah. rest of the world. So we're going to get the Rotten Tomatoes reviews and all the, the main critics are going to get to see it. 
10 days ahead of time and yeah, let's I'll just... check its tomato meter score just out of curiosity yeah. but I'm not going to read any reviews specifically yeah no I won't read reviews either I don't want to get like a, like a major overarching spoiler and exactly. obviously make your own opinions let's do anything else you want to add uh, a couple other little things uh, but not much uh, Lando's tour of the Falcon was super cool yep. absolutely love that Donald Glover you can just see is in his own and loves being Lando and yep. I mean who wouldn't love being Lando being in Star Wars universe is amazing let alone being one of the characters with the most swag in the galaxy was it an interesting when he introduced himself as Captain Lando Calrissian yeah because you never hear of him that way no you don't it's that is a really interesting point just and also specifying that too. another thing just to kind of show up on on yeah. this aspiring pilot right and Lando is captain He's, he's captain of the Millennium Falcon. Which you would say, too, if that was your ship. Absolutely. And <laughs> there's... Oh, that was one other thing that I did learn uh, from Last Shot was specifically Han actually destroys the Falcon himself on purpose. Oh. Like, makes it as dirty and shitty as it is because he just felt so out of place in Lando's pimped-out Supreme Falcon. Really? That he made it look like shit on purpose. That's interesting. And he just felt like he, don't, he made it as dirty and messy as possible so that he would feel comfortable and no one else. He would feel more at home. Plus, it kind of makes it like kind of undersells the Falcon a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I always I, I interpreted that also, and it didn't really say it explicitly, but it makes a lot of sense that they're smugglers. They need to be more distri- discreet than yeah. having this insanely pimped out vessel. I mean, right. Well, drug dealers would say a different thing in the world, but sometimes having spinners on their car. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But uh, no, I, I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, element, but uh, I'm sure he had to remove Lando's cape room, which we got a nice glance at. <laughs> uh, the cape room was referenced uh, a bunch of times in the last shot. Yes, he's a real clothes horse. Uh, yeah, that's going to be a big thing in this movie more than anything, though. Right. They're, they're really going to emphasize that and play on that as being part of his role. That's cool. Uh, Lando also won the Falcon playing cards, too. So that was something that was mentioned in uh, in one of the, the snapshots, one of the little trailers. Why would you put the Falcon on the line? Because they're gamblers. They're like ga- Lando, especially. He's a gambling addict, so yeah. that's his problem. So how he won it and lost it, right? But and that's the reason why Han also never gambled it away. Because Han, we don't know how that card game is going to go, but yeah. we're going to find out. Right. And Han's going to be winning, whether it's fair and square or maybe he wins in a dirty way who knows oh, i kind of hope he does win in a dirty way. i hope he wins in a dirty way too i don't know if they'll do that though disney you mean like uh han not shooting first yeah i don't know if they would be like i think that was awesome. a lucas decision for han to not shoot first it wasn't I, disney's fault but it was it, it just like it seems like they might be really trepidatious about having their hero uh do anything that's immoral I really hope that's not the case because he should be doing a lot of things immoral in this I know, movie. <laughs> I know. Um, just a couple other final points. Um, Chewie finding his place next to Han as a co-pilot in Millennium Falcon. There's some cool shots around that. There's one where Kira's in the co-pilot seat and doesn't know what the hell she's doing. Right. Uh, it just kind of premeditates to that. You're 190 years old line where he realizes how old Chewie is because he's impressed by how well Chewie can maneuver a a cockpit so that was kind of cool uh and the last two points kind of on dryden voss he is the one who hires them for the castle run very clearly this is paul bettany yep so he either hires them for the castle run or some other mission so i don't know whether there's gonna be two missions in this movie or one i'm getting kind of the impression that there might be two 
but um, he clearly hires them and is their boss at one point in the movie and is the one that brings on Beckett of sorts. Right. And also he's sitting on a couch with Kira when he says this mm. in a way that they look very comfortable with each other. Ooh. And also this is clearly as time has passed and Han hasn't seen Kira in a while and she's with Beckett at this point. So maybe it's maybe that plays sort of an element to it where there's a bit of a of a love triangle with a criminal and uh, she yeah, kind she's of goes gone that off side. And gotten herself an edgy space boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. But she throws him a bone and she's like, but I, my new boyfriend can get you a job. Yeah, so that's kind of what I got as the impression yeah. as to how those characters are going to be reintroduced and introduced into this. Cool. So, I mean, everything I've seen has made me really happy. It's starting to come together, isn't it? It really has. Yeah. Uh, a couple other things. It's projected to make $170 million its opening weekend. I know. It's doubled Black Panther's pre-sales. Which is incredible. Yeah. Although Black Panther was an, sort of an exception. People didn't realize how good that would be until You're right. it came out. It's and a bit then of they a, got it. It's a bit of a, it was a, bit of a uh, sleeper. But there was a while there where people weren't thinking that it was going to even make $100 million, There are so. still people on Reddit who are talking about it like it might bomb. Like, even if the movie is terrible, even if it gets 1% on Rotten Tomatoes, there's not going to be a Star Wars movie that doesn't make at least $100 million oh, opening yeah, weekend. It's never going to happen. Well, I wouldn't say that. If it made, if it had 1%, I would be surprised if it made $100 million opening weekend. How would it have 1%? It would never have 1%. But you, <laughs> in, in that ridiculous hypothetical. If it was 1%, I think you'd have more people going to see it. Uh, the IMAX poster is above and beyond my favorite poster for cool. this movie. Yeah. It is so much better than the rest of them. It has this very cool falcon silhouette in the background uh, and Hans out front and in the background. It's really cool. They have a, a ton of posters out for this movie, uh, tons of different variants for countries. And, They're uh, really rolling out the press, which I guess they've I always done one. for Star Wars, but the, obviously the preamble to this movie feels different than the other ones. Yeah, well, it was interesting and because they didn't do any for so long and now they're doing more than they've ever done. Right. Or more than they've ever done in the last while. Uh, I didn't realize this, but the like the four-armed monkey character, who's part of uh, what looks like he's part of Beckett's crew, John Favreau does the voice on him. His name's Rio, the character. So I didn't really realize that, but I recognized the voice. So I was like, I gotta look that up, and it was John Favreau. He is a heavily involved Lucasfilm family member, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he is uh, really ingrained in there now. So that makes me excited. Also, did you see the Arrested Development: A New Hope? Uh, no. Oh, it's great. Oh, really? So Ron Howard does a voiceover of, of a parody of if A New Hope were like shot like Arrested Development. Oh, great. It, you got to watch it. It's okay. super funny. Uh, it's just, it, it's great that he's so willing to just have like fun bringing in all his different elements. Why not? Well, I think it was Colbert he was on. I could be wrong on that one where they even did like a little promo for solo in like a happy days theme song yeah, I saw style. That. So that was kind of right. cool too. Um, Star Wars is looking for an ethnic female with strong preference for African-American, 18 to 26 years old, to portray a character of the name Caro. Caro is described as having captivating naturalness and ease to her manner. Caro is a leader and problem solver uh, with uh, this is for episode and nine? a smart uh, he's a leader and problem solver, smart with a great sense of humor and strong will. All this comes to her effortlessly. And this is for episode nine, yes. Interesting. So that will be a character that was released uh, about a week or so ago, but we were uh, we were in Florida, so we weren't able to uh, kind of report on that one. But that's really cool. It obviously won't be the name Carol in the end, 
but uh, this character seems really cool. Well, they rarely ever go with the names that they have, and they actually release out there, too. We just have Akira in this new movie. Why would we have Akira and Akaro? Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Yeah. C-A-R-O is what they've got here. But that's really interesting. I mean, who knows what this character's role is going to be? Uh, it could be someone to kind of fill the shoes of a strong female presence like Holdo and Leia. But, uh, no, it's it's encouraging to see. It could be a love interest for someone like Poe mm. if they don't go the Rey route. So that's kind of interesting. I think that's more likely. I think that. I would way prefer that. I don't like Rey and Poe. It doesn't make sense. No, it there's doesn't. Been no in, there's been no good foreshadowing for that. It's entirely built from this weird little smile they shared at exactly. the end of The Last Jedi. And, so, and they've even met twice. It was stupid. Yeah. So... Um, they're also casting nine new characters. Now, this is one that's received less attention, so maybe... It's the Knights of Ren. Yeah, this is one that's received less attention, so as a result, I'm thinking may have less credit to it. Didn't we talk about this on the podcast? Nope. Okay. Uh, but specifically that they're hiring... Um, they're looking for nine new characters, five of which are need-to-be men who are of, um, I guess are capable of doing physical stunts. Right. And so that we just assume that if there's five men needing to be capable of physical stunts, it makes sense to probably be Knights of Ren. Right. I think there were more Knights of Ren seen in that flashback clip than five, but, I mean, some may have died. That's pretty reasonable. It doesn't really matter. No, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it's nice that they're expanding out the cast. It really means that we're going to... There's definitely going to be a time has passed, and we're going to see some new introductions of characters. I hope this movie's a blowout. Oh, I hope it's like an absolute like monster like, yeah. where they pull out all the stops. It should it's be a mayhem. giant war. Lando better come back. All of those things. He really should. He really should. Um, Especially with the revamp of Lando's character through Donald Glover. Well, I think that's what's most likely gonna going give, to lead to give it. new life to that character for sure. But, I mean, there's a reason they haven't included him this far. I mean, probably in the fact that... Um, they just there really hasn't been a place for, for Lando yet, but this could be a right time, especially seeing as we've lost Carrie Fisher and like Mark Hamill's only gonna be coming back as a ghost and Harrison Ford's not coming back, so let's bring back one of the original gang. Yes. So and please. have a moment with Chewie and Yeah, I mean Lando was a huge part. Like right. he blew up the second Death Star. And he mentions it like 40 times in the last shot. <laughs> uh, he really hangs his hat on that one. Okay, we got to wrap this thing up. We do, but we have to talk about one final thing. All right. And it was the one thing that I could not believe how bad our luck was. We talked about the next Star Wars animated show on our last podcast. We recorded it the day I actually edited it out. You book. edited it out? Okay, yeah. I'm glad you did that because yeah. then specifically the next day we find out about Resistance and then we don't have a podcast to record for over two weeks. Right. But Star Wars Resistance, we know almost no information on this other than uh, some of the cast members like Bobby Moynihan. Uh, he's really the only one I remember off the top of my head. Uh, but there's a few other kind of regular names. Jim Rash is another one. It's kiddish. Uh, it's, it's looking pretty kiddish. It's got an anime vibe that they're going for. Uh, I really don't like that for a longer, more serious TV show. I think they should have gone with more of a Rebels slash Clone War animation. I would have just really preferred that. It's something that's more pleasing to look at. I feel like you can get emotion across better. You can get to know the characters better and see them more as people as opposed to like drawings and cartoons. Uh, but it's about Kazuto Ziano, a young pilot recruited by the Resistance and tasked with a top-secret mission to spy on the growing threat of the First Order. We're going to have BB-8, Poe, and Phasma in there at some times here and there. It takes place before uh, The Force Awakens, but that's really all we know, and it'll be really interesting to kind of see where that one goes. Bam. There we go. All right. Uh, if you want to make a comment on the podcast, you can tweet us at Recorder66. You can email recorder66podcast at gmail.com send us a voice memo if you like next week we will be back with the third 20 minute segment of episode 5 
Empire Strikes Back. So watch uh, up to the end of the first hour of the movie and you'll be caught up to us by next week. Uh, And in the meantime, may the force be with you. Bye.